Coming up, practical advice about helping our children speak with confidence. Welcome, everybody, to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on Aish.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this week I'm recording in the neighborhood of Nachlaot, Jerusalem, with my guest, Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer, and he's speaking with me about helping our children speak with confidence. Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer's areas of expertise include Kabbalah, spirituality, and psychotherapy. Additionally, Rabbi Glazer is an accomplished musician, mountain biker, and world-class surfer. Rabbi Glazer is also the founder of an intensive lecture series called The Possible You, a program that has affected literally thousands of participants worldwide. And on Facebook, you can do a search on the words Rabbi Yom Tov to watch Rabbi Glazer's daily live feed on topics that are on everyone's mind these days, and this same feed is also posted on TorahAnytime.com. If you want to contact Rabbi Glazer, you can do so through his website, which is The Possible You, that's Y-O-U, ThePossibleU.org. Welcome back to At Home in Jerusalem, Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer. Thank you, Heather Dean. Well, was public speaking, by the way, always easy for you, or did you have to work on it? <laughs> well, it, it went in two stages. It was always easy, both okay. stages, but okay. the first stage was me ultimately making up for a terrible fright of public speaking. I mean, I had massive hmm. social, uh, what do you call it, social... Anxiety? Anxiety. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so it was really just a big cover-up, you know, to deal with it, and, and which meant I wasn't really giving, I was more taking. I'm gonna, can you tell me what the symptoms were? Because this can help us understand what some of our children might be going through who have this social anxiety or fear of speaking. Sure, so, yeah. Okay. So it comes from the fear of rejection, right. obviously. Okay. Okay. You know, it's okay. the fear of rejection and the, and the, and you, I mean, you're really putting yourself out, out there when you're public speaking and mm -hmm. ra or raising your voice in class as a kid. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, so it's fear of rejection and the fear of rejection comes from certain beliefs within us that are, it might be unlovable, unwanted, unliked, uh, not worthy. Or worthless, God forbid, or or uh, stupid, or you know, there's a lot of thoughts that a kid could have that that public speaking could easily be exposing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really feeling exposed, and adults as well. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, it was more like unworthy, unlikable, unwanted. Can you give me an example of when that cropped up when you were very young? Like an example of when you had to present a report or something like that, and then oh, what you went through? Not so much. I, I, I more had like a humiliating experience when I was 10. That had nothing to do with public speaking, but I was so humiliated that that that, that just, mm. you know, it, it just made me feel unworthy. It, it created those voices inside my heart, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. turned into social anxiety ultimately because I didn't want to get exposed again you know, feeling unwanted or unworthy of mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. um, then, but you can add that to... Um, I had other issues with the fear of failure, totally separate fear, fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And I and I kind of felt dumb because I, I just didn't fit into regular scholastic uh, education, mm -hmm. you know, regular school system, which is, was not for me. And I felt dumb as a result, mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling different, I felt dumb. Wow. And when you mix social anxiety with the feeling of dumb, public speaking is the ultimate fix because, gee, he's smart. Wow. Uh. What an intelligent ah, person. Uh -huh, and so uh -huh. it really worked for me, public speaking. Interesting. So that was stage one, was compensating for my fear of failure and rejection. Stage two was when I finally realized it. 
And that was only because it attacked my digestion. I was literally like going to be going into surgery over my, mm. over my, like removing my colon, you know? So, oh so then I, I had this massive breakthrough and realized that I had this, this whole public speaking career was totally linked to my fear of rejection, hmm. my fear of failure, or deeper to say is unwanted mm. and dumb. Mm -hmm. And so, gee, they want me, you know, they're asking me to speak here, there and right, everywhere. So right. I must be wanted. Right. The problem is then you're, you're taking instead of giving. And boy, did I have a career shift. Once I realized this, um, first of all, my stomach got better, meaning mm -hmm. my digestive mm -hmm. tract just totally re renewed itself. Mm -hmm. And the other amazing thing is, is my speaking was giving. Yeah. You know, I was now a public speaker who was actually giving, not, not yeah. sucking Clearly. the attention out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, um, anyway, but, but public speaking is a very exposing, very scary yeah. thing. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts about why some children are verbal at home? but afraid to speak in class or, or to present a report. So that's quite simple. It's just that home, hopefully they're safe. You know, they're feeling mm -hmm. safe. If they're being mm -hmm. verbal, you know, you'll notice the more the kids are, the quieter the kids get. Mm. Um, Shabbos tables, for example. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you meet kids at a Shabbos table of, uh, you know, once there's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids, they, they, they get quiet. Mm -hmm. They get quiet there, you know, because they open their mouth once and decide to say something smart mm -hmm. and everyone thought it was cute. Mm -hmm. And told it over and over again. And right. they learned very quickly to be quiet. But it, yeah, it's just about exposure. If kids are speaking out at home, you're doing a great job of making a safe home. Right, right. But there's no protecting a kid out there in the, in the school environment, in yeah. the public environment, when yeah. it comes to yeah. rejection from something right. he might express. Right. What are your thoughts about children who struggle with, with that very quiet voice or, or struggle to make eye contact? So the, the chances are exposure therapy is probably the best for that because it's not that traumatic to expose them. Mm -hmm. So so just to, that's what most, generally, when it comes to public speaking mm -hmm. or eye contact, that generally the world uses the most standard form is is exposure therapy. So, mm -hmm. so you get them in a somewhat safe environment and make them give speeches. I know the Dale Carnegie uh, system is you got to get up there and make your speech. Yes, and Many they times. just expose you mm -hmm. until you break through it. Mm -hmm. So you can do that at home. You can have you can in, put it in place that everyone has to be absolutely quiet. There's absolutely no comments, and everyone gets to say a little something at the mm -hmm. Shabbos table, mm -hmm. and that's exposure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and the other is eyes. Is you play the staring game. You play the staring game. You know. Oh, who, who as can, a game, like yeah, uh, who can uh, stare the longest? Right. And <laughs> and it's a fun game, and and they and they really try to win these mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. But sure. they, meanwhile, they're getting used to eye contact. Right. Right, you know, which right. is great. And what about modeling confidence? Uh, parents who model confidence when we speak to, when we speak about ourselves, or when we speak about our achievements or our beliefs, our children witness us do that, right? With uh, interactions with other adults, right? So, do you think that also trickles down? Does that have an influence when they see us being able to express ourselves well with other people? I think so. Yeah, I think when they see us confident, they're they're more they're already imaging meaning projecting an image of themselves mm -hmm. the same. Right. You know, I've noticed with my kids, they're for sure all quite comfortable in the public speaking because I think they're, they've they been watching me for so many years that they see it's just not that big a dragon to slay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and what about helping our children stand up for their views even when they may not be popular, right? This is happening in college campuses across America and Canada and everywhere, and, uh, but also just our kids who, are, who might be younger. 
They may have views that aren't so popular, but they won't, you know, how do we help them stand up for what they believe? Stand up for their, for their stuff, they, for their views? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that is a really mm -hmm. tough one. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, the, encouraging them to do so, mm -hmm. but that mm -hmm. may not mm -hmm. really have an effect. I think that the kids, if they see us do it, I think that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's always some community thing that you can stand up about. Mm -hmm. And maybe if the kids see us stand up in a community issue, mm -hmm. could be anything, it could be litter, it could be uh, noise pollution in right. the neighborhood or whatever. And, and they see that the parents are active mm -hmm. and they're not gonna, you know, what I call whack-a-mole. You know, whack-a-mole's when you're just trying to hide in society. So, so if they see the parents aren't playing whack-a-mole, meaning they stand up for things, mm -hmm. they're much more likely to do mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. um, you teach so many classes all over the world, and you have a lot of young audiences. So to other teachers out there, or parents of young children, how do you, Rabbi Glazer, create that environment where a person can speak up in class, maybe, and maybe express an unpopular opinion, or whatever it is, but to speak with confidence in that group setting? So they, there's a, a vibrational security that you can actually um, radiate from your own self. Mm -hmm. and, and that safety that you create, you can also communicate it verbally, but, but being that safe place for people mm -hmm. is, is the key to having the people in the room. In the, it might be an audience, might be people in the room, might be just people at a table, mm -hmm. but, it's, but it's, uh, it's, it's radiating that, that there's no judgment here. And the way we do that is just simply understanding the word acceptance. The mm -hmm. word acceptance means that if I were to live that person's entire life, the entire yep. equation, their mm -hmm. brain, their heart, their yep. sibling order, their address, their everything they ever went through, that would be me. And once I get that true definition of acceptance and I've integrated it and become one with it, so I'm safe for you because because how could I ever judge a person? I, I, that would have been me had I lived his whole yep. life or her whole life. So by getting acceptance clear and really integrating with the, the definition of acceptance, and now that I'm fully accepting of people, so at least there's one person in the room and maybe even leading the discussion or yeah. teaching a class, mm -hmm. at least there's one person in the room who's projecting full acceptance in the room. So then everyone's safer and everyone feels a lot more comfortable to get up and say their piece. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking with us today about how we can help our children and others speak with confidence, Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer. It was my pleasure. <laughs> and you can check out Rabbi Glazer's recorded lectures on H.com's website, also yomtovmediaclub.com. Also, the PossibleU.org website, and check out a great variety of classes, articles, and videos about parenting in the family section on H.com. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.